I'm very excited to be here tonight, and I uh, hope that you are too. And um, God is here. And just to warn you, I'm not going to be saying anything more profound than that all evening. Like, that is the best thing about this evening, is that God is here. And um, God is here, and he's setting people free tonight. God is setting people free this evening. He's setting people free from sickness. But also, I know that he's going to be setting us free in our minds tonight. God's really been speaking to me about how there's often prisons in our minds, and God is setting people free. So if that's something you need, I just want to encourage you to reach out to heaven now and just receive it, because God is here. He's present. And exactly what Elias said just now, um, you know, whatever level of expectation you came in with this evening, God wants to do more than that. He always wants to do more. It says that to he who is able to do more than we ask or imagine. I don't know about you, but in the words of Han Solo, I can imagine quite a lot. But actually, actually, God wants to do more than that. He wants to do more than you can imagine him doing. Okay, so just ponder on that for a moment. I'm also delighted to be here because my brother-in-law Jonathan is here and has come to see me tonight. And Thank you. Love you. Thank you for coming. God's setting people free. Talking of setting people free. Oh, actually, no, I need to share a funny story with you. Uh, I was delighted when I found out tonight that we were going to be singing the song um, No Longer a Slave to Fear. And that is because, um, you know how, um, this is going to seem a bit random, but you'll see in a moment where I'm going. You know how nowadays you don't just get pear cider and apple cider, you can get like these flavoured ciders, you get copper, you know, raspberry and infused with all different things. Well, we were, I was doing the children's work, History Makers, with my wife Vicky this morning. And um, we like to have some worship music on in the background, whatever we're doing. So we were doing a craft, and we had the song, No Longer a Slave to Fear, in the background. And one of the little girls was singing to herself. And she, <laughs> she was singing a heart house, saying, I'm no longer a flavoured beer. <laughs> I don't know if she knew that she was singing that or what that meant. but So if you would just humour me, I thought it would be really great if we sang that version together. Okay? So, one, two, three. I'm no longer a flavoured beer. I am a child of God. There we go. There we go. So, uh, yeah, I just I thought that was lovely. Um, talking of, so let me, let me set my PowerPoint up so that the guys at the back can rest. And Jeff, I don't know if anyone's told you, but I will need sound at some point because I've got a, couple, got a couple of videos. So I'm ready when you are, guys. My PowerPoint's there. Um, I want to share you a couple of um, testimonies uh, that have happened in the last few weeks. So, talk, just talking of setting people free, because I just know he's healing people. So, if, you, if you're aware of a need in your body, something that you need God to do, a miracle that you need, I just want to invite you to check it out now. And then while I'm speaking, the most important thing that will be happening in the room is not what I'm saying. It's what God is doing. So, just be testing your body and sensing what he's doing, because he's healing you right now. 
And to encourage you in that, I just want to share. Um, a few weeks ago, I had to drop off some keys to a letting agent for a flat. And I was a bit nervous that I might get the wrong door. But thankfully, while I was there, um, her partner turned up, who I hadn't met before. And I noticed that he had a wrist support on his wrist. So I asked him why, and he explained. And I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yes. So I prayed for him. I wasn't, didn't feel anything all the time, don't, at the time. Don't know if he felt anything. I went home. Um, a few weeks ago, I got a phone call from my letting agent. And she said, my partner said to me, I don't know what that man did, but since he did it, I haven't had any pain in my wrist. And she said, yeah, come on. Yay, God. And then she explained to me, which I didn't know, that he'd actually broken it three times. I don't know how you break it three times, but he'd broken it three times. And he'd just helped her move house. And he'd moved all the boxes and everything. And he'd had absolutely zero pain. So that was good. Um, and then I'll show you another story with you. Um, last week, I had a gas meter moved at a property. And you will not believe how many people it takes to move a gas meter. It's, I'm not joking, six different sets of people were required. But anyway, the sixth one came, and uh, just as he'd finished the job, he, he went, oh, my knee. And I said, um, could I? I know this is a bit strange. That's a, by the way, that's a really good opener, okay? And if you say, I know this is a bit strange, but could I pray for you? And most people will say yes. The occasional person will say no, that's fine. So I said, I know this is a bit strange, but can I pray for you? And he was like, go for it. So I just touched his knee, I prayed, and then he walked up the stairs. I said, how does it feel? He said, it feels a little bit better, actually. And I said, great, can I pray again? So I prayed again. I said, how does it feel? He said, I'm feeling a bit freaked out, if I'm honest, because <laughs> it, <was laughs> it was feeling loads better. And he walked out of the house, and I heard him get on his mobile and ring his mate and tell his mate how this weird guy just prayed for him, and now his knee was feeling better. So these opportunities are all around. God is doing this all around us. It's not all here, guys. It's out there that he wants to do it. He wants us to, to get filled and get encouraged, but he wants us to take it out there. So I want to ask you a question. How did that happen? Um, did, did I do that? Was it, was it me who healed the people? Um, of course not. It was, it was the Holy Spirit who, who healed them. Um, he healed them because he loved them. Now, as a church, at the moment, we're going through the book of Galatians. And in Galatians, Paul wastes no time getting straight to the point. And he basically says that, you know, you, you started off with, a, with the Spirit, but now you're, you're living as if it's by works. And so they'd started off really well, knowing that the reason the good things that were happening to them, the grace they were receiving, all the goodness they were receiving, was just because God loved them. And they'd somehow got to this point where they thought they had to work for it. They had to make it happen. And it's, it's like they felt they had to be good enough to be saved. It was like they felt like they had to, Elias will like this one, like they had to get on the hamster wheel in order to be good enough and work hard enough in order to deserve the goodness of God. Now, I could just sit down now. I don't have to do a sermon now because I could just leave you with this and you'll be fine. <laughs> I'll just give you a couple of minutes.
So that's what the Galatian church, I better stop that because we're, we're going to be here all night. Otherwise, it's like, what do you mean? Oh. <laughs> so the Galatian church was, was being like a hamster on a wheel. Having started from, it's by grace that we're saved. All the good things we have are from God. They've slipped into thinking we have to work for this. We have to work harder. We have to be better. We have to... And I'm not saying God doesn't want us to work hard and he doesn't want us to be good, but I'm saying that's not why we receive his goodness. That's not how we're saved. It's by grace and because of his love. And God does not want us to be hamsters on a wheel. He does not want us to be slaves in our thinking. And Paul explains this to the Galatians. Oh, it's going on to the hamsters again. Quick, get off. Phew. Okay. So Galatians 4 verses 1 to 7 says this. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave. So he's saying like a son or a daughter, if they're under age, they're no different from a slave, although they own the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Amen. So God is explaining to them that before Jesus had come, they were slaves. They were slaves to sin. They were slaves under the law. But now that Jesus has come, they are not slaves anymore. That's why that we sing I'm no longer a slave to fear. In fact, they're sons and they are heirs. So the title tonight of this talk is Children and Heirs. I discovered this feature on PowerPoint the other day. I just had to use it in the sermon. You can draw something and then it draws it like a little animation. And I love it. So there are really, I mean, there are lots of ways. But in this passage, Paul sets out three ways that we can think about ourselves. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And the three ways that we can think about ourselves are slaves. So when I'm talking about slaves, I'm going to be standing over here. Okay? Because I know many of us are visual learners. Okay? Slaves over here. That's one way we can think of ourselves. The second way is as children. Am I lined up with children? Yeah? Yeah, excellent. And the third way that he talks about is as heirs. Handily, I just have enough stage to be slaves, children, and heirs on this little bit. They don't give you much, do they? There are three ways that we can think about ourselves. And um, Paul, who wrote the book, he uses an example of a son who's coming into their inheritance and a son whose father is still alive. Okay, so let's come back to the Galatians passage. And he says this, What I'm saying is that an heir, as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. 
The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So he's saying, you could be, let's say you have a father and he has a son and that son is going to inherit the farm, but until the father decides or until the father dies, although the son's going to get it all, he's effectively like he's a slave almost until he receives his inheritance. That's what he's saying. Let me ask you a question. I want a bit of congregation participation tonight. What does this remind you of any stories that Jesus told in the Bible? What story does it remind you of? Yeah, the forgiving father or the lost son, the parable of the wonderful dad or the parable of the prodigal son, whatever you want to call it. It reminds me very much of that story. Now, I'm not going to put it up here. I'm going to walk us through it. And we're going to use the slave, child and heir columns that I've created up here and talk you through the story. So, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one, so, child, son, okay, child here. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So, he knows he's a child and he knows he's going to inherit because he knows that he's an heir. And a big chunk of the farm, or the money from the farm, is going to come to him. Okay? He knows that he's an heir. And he also understood that his dad was the one who got to set the time when he received that inheritance. So because he's a good, loving father, he decides to do what his son has asked, and he gives him his inheritance while he's still alive. Are you with me so far? Yes. Excellent. We will move on. So up until he gets his inheritance, it tells us that essentially his status was like that of a slave. Although technically he's going to get the whole farm, he hasn't got it yet. So he's just living in the same way, although he's, everyone knows that he's a son, but effectively it's like he's a slave. But because he knows he's actually a child, and he knows that he's actually an heir, he knows that he's going to inherit. So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So, the son was an heir, and now he'd come into his inheritance because he'd asked his father for it. But instead of being mature, instead of dealing well with his inheritance, respecting it, and using well the freedom that he now had, he squandered it. He was still thinking like a slave. Slaves have to do what they're told. They have people telling them what to do. They're not responsible for their freedom because they don't have any freedom. They have to do what their master tells them to do. And the son receives his inheritance, but he starts spending it like a slave who has no idea how to use what he's given. Okay? That's what he does with it, and he completely wastes it. So having received it, he squandered it, but he comes to his senses. 
When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went back to his father. So having received his inheritance over there, having squandered it because he's still thinking like a slave, he's now come to a point where he feels that all he's worthy of is being a servant, being a slave. He's, he's come back this full circle. But while he was still a long way off, and actually in the worship team you were sharing about this, about God wanting to meet us more than we want to meet with him. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Did you notice that the father took absolutely no notice of what the son had said? He completely ignored. This, this son's been preparing his speech for days and walking home with it, thinking, I'm going to say to dad, dad, I'm not worthy. I'm just a worm. I just deserve to be a servant in your house. And the dad completely ignores him, throws his arms around him, gives him the best of everything. That is how our father thinks about each one of us. If we just take a step towards him, he runs out to meet us. So he completely ignores him because the father knows it's not money that makes him his son. He doesn't, I'm not saying he doesn't care, but he's not bothered about the fact that the son has wasted everything. He's just over the moon that his son is back. That's what he cares about. And he knows that it was never the money, it was never the status, it was never hard work that made him a son in the first place. He was a son because he was a son. <laughs> because he was born as a son and he would always be a son. That was who he was. It was not something he earned. It was something that he is. Meanwhile, the eldest son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Slavery again. I've been slaving for you. And I've never disobeyed your orders. And you, but you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. So, think about this. So, the young son had gone from a point of being an heir to now believing that it was only worthy to be a slave. And the older son, who was living on the farm with this wonderful dad, had been living all these years as a slave. And in, a mind, in his mind, feeling like he was a slave. An interesting thing about this story is 
the only one in the story who knew who the sons really were was the father. Let me say that again. The only one in the story who knew who the sons really were was the father. The only one in your story who knows who you really are is the father. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us through this passage. The one who knows who you are is the father. Both sons are believing, thinking, and behaving like they're slaves. Although they're sons. And, you know, the father says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. We had to celebrate. And he, you know, he says to him, and think how bitter this son is being. And yet the father's words to him are, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And that's what God says to us. That he's always with us, therefore we're with him. And that everything he has is ours, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. So, in Galatians, what does the Father say about us? So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elementary spiritual, elemental spiritual forces of this world. And what that's saying, uh, where it says elemental spiritual forces it's actually a very fancy way of saying if you look if you've got an niv bible it actually shows a better translation which is the basic principles of this world okay so it's saying we also operated under the basic principles of this world and if you think of that like the natural order of things so it's saying that just like in normal life effectively even though you're a son or a child you, until you come into an inheritance, you're like a slave, but then you're, and then you're under guardians until you come of age, and then when your father decides, you inherit. And Paul is saying to us, you were subject to the same thing, but then God did something. He did something. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Amen. When Jesus came, he paid for our sin. So we're no longer slaves to the law, but we are set free and we are adopted as sons and daughters, which is why I put child instead of son, and daughters of the king. We are children of the king. So what does that mean? It means that everything that could keep us in slavery, we have been set free from. Everything. We've been set free from the law. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from addiction, from sickness. Jesus has paid 
for all of it. He has bought our freedom. But there's more. There was a comedian who used to say that, wasn't there? There's more. Um, there's more. Because you are his sons or his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So not only do we become his children, but the spirit of his son comes into our hearts and our heart cries out to him, Abba, Father. And Abba is not like what we, you know, Father's quite formal. Abba is much more like Daddy. Okay? Our spirit cries out, Daddy. Because that's how we feel about him and that's who he is to us. That is how we hear him by the Spirit of God. That is how people are healed. That is how we change the world. We cannot live this Christian life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what makes the difference. It's what enables us to live the life that he's called us to live. But there is still more. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So not only are you no longer a slave, okay? No long, no, not only are you now a child and adopted as his son or daughter, but you're also his heir. Now let me ask you a question. Um, when, a, when a parent dies, unless they've changed their will and done nasty things, okay? When a parent dies, what do the children usually inherit? The estate. Everything that they own. Yep, everything. So when my parents die, everything that they own will come to me and my brother. That's how it will work, okay? So we are heirs of God. We're going to stand up in the heirs bit. We are heirs of God. So what does God own? Everything. So what do we inherit? Everything. Let's just do that again, just to make sure that we're clear. What does God own? Everything. So what do we inherit? Okay, so usually for us to inherit, somebody has to die. But somebody did die, didn't they? Jesus died. He died for us. So when do we come into our inheritance? Now. Now. Because he's done it. It is finished. We're heirs to everything now. Oh, I've just done my 8,000 steps. Just walking on the (laughs) stairs there. Yay me. So, um, (laughs) just to prove that this is legal and this is in the Bible... 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 22. So just so you know, Rob's not making it up, okay? All things are yours. Say that together. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Paul's just about wrapped up everything there. Okay, so he starts off with the big one, all things are yours. Say all. All. In the Greek, that means all. Okay, everything belongs to you. And just in case, you know, he mentions some of the leaders, 
So he says, in case you're not getting what I mean by all, okay, I mean the world, okay, and I mean life and death and the present and the future, it all belongs to you. He's covering all of his bases here. When Jesus died, we came into the inheritance of all of these things. Sometimes, the things that God gives us are so good that we actually find it difficult to believe them. And we find it difficult for that to become part of our thinking. And I can remember many conversations with people when I've been evangelizing, when I've been telling, trying to tell people about the goodness of God. And they say things like, that just sounds too good to be true. And, and I say, I, I agree with you. <laughs> it does sound too good to be true, but it is true. When we receive a lot, it's, it's very, sometimes it can be very difficult to take it in. And I want to share a story with you that's quite a personal story to me. And so I hope you take it in the way it's intended. But um, I rent out houses for a living. That's what I do. And I remember the very first, um, well, it's one of the things I do. Um, but I remember the very first time that I bought a house. I bought the house two doors down from us, from my next door but one neighbor. And um, it was the first one I'd done. And I had to go around there and fix something. So I went around to the house to fix something on the fire surround. And um, really sort of menial job. And I knew that the house was mine. I mean, I'd bought it jointly with my mum and dad and Vicky, but I knew, like, it was now my house. And I could kind of get my head around, it was my house, okay? But I started thinking, oh, I had to remove some bricks from the fireplace and put them back in and do it. And I was thinking, where should I do it? Should I do it here? Oh, it'll go on the carpet. And then, and then I thought, this carpet belongs to me. And then I was thinking, these bricks on the fireplace they're mine. And like the units in the kitchen, they're mine. And in a strange way, while it was just abstract and it was just, oh yeah, the whole house is mine. But when it actually started thinking about this unit, this carpet, this, this belongs to me, it, it took me a while to comprehend actually everything in here belongs to me. And I think God wants to give us the same message this evening. Everything belongs to you because everything belongs to him and he's given it to you. Not because you worked hard for it, but because you're his child and you're his heir and everything he has is yours because that's who you are. I'm going to show you a clip from a film because I think uh, I like it, and uh, I hope you'll find it funny. Um, it's about, uh, it's from a very famous film, and it's about a very poor man who's begging on the streets. So I'll need some sound in a minute, Jeff. Um, he's begging on the streets, and then suddenly these very rich men give him a big house and a big mansion, and he's finding it a bit hard to take in, okay? So I want you to um, enjoy this clip with me. Here we go. William, what do you think? 
I like it, Randy. It's very nice. I like the way you got the mirrors and stuff looked up over there. It's very pretty. I like that. I like that mirror. I don't think he understands, Randolph. Oh, but Marty, I do understand. I uh, William. Do. Yes. This is your home. Uh-huh. Right. It, it belongs to you. Yeah, all of in mine. I like my home. It's very nice. It has very nice taste in houses. Like Everything it. you see in this room is yours now. Uh-huh. This is my stuff. Your own personal property? My own personal stuff. You understand? It's mine. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know what I like most about my place, Randy? The curtains, man. Look at the curtains. It's beautiful the way I got this place set up, man. This is something else. I like it. The cabinets and whatnot. Beautiful. I suppose uh, you're going to just give me this TV set for free, huh, Randy? That's right. Uh-huh. Everything in here is mine, huh? Oh, I guess the stereo is mine free, too, huh? Absolutely. This is too much for me, man. You know, I can really dig this, Randy. You know why? This kind of thing happens to me every week. This is your house. These are your personal possessions. You will only be stealing from yourself. Look, first you throw me in jail, right? Then you're going to drive me out here and start running some garbage to me about this is my house, this is my personal rug, and then you're going to tell me this is my personal slave, too. I understand how you feel, William, but the fact remains, all this is yours. You may do with it whatever you wish. This is my stuff in my place, huh? I can do what I want with this stuff, right? This, this is my base here, right? This is Billy Ray's base, right? I own this base. I can play like Harlem Globe trying to do what he did, right? Okay, you want Metal Lemon, right? Hey, man, I'm sorry about that. Perfectly all right, William. It was your base. That's a cheap base, man. That was a fake, right? I think we paid $35,000 for it. But I seem to remember we estimated its value at $50,000 for the insurance company. <laughs> you see, Mortimer, William has already made us a profit of $15,000. <laughs> you want me to break something else? No. <laughs> I love that bit. No. <laughs> no. So what's the point of all this? Okay. God wants us to know that we're not slaves. We were slaves under sin, under the law. We were, we've been bought at a price, and we've been set free. And he wants us to know that we're his children. We're his sons and his daughters, all of us. Okay? And he wants us to know that he has chosen to also make us heirs. And what does he own? And so what do we inherit? Everything. He wants us to know. But he doesn't want us to be like either of the sons in the story. Okay? He doesn't want to, us to receive our inheritance and then go out and squander it. And also, he doesn't want us to receive our inheritance but live as though we didn't have it and still think like slaves. Because that's just another way of squandering it. He doesn't want us to do that. So what does he want us to do? He wants us to steward it with him. He wants us to be full of him. And how do we do that? By allowing him to transform and renew our minds. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. It's like we're in the matrix and everything around us is telling us that it's out of control, that 
Brexit is going to ruin everything, that you might as well just get drunk, eat, and be merry, because who knows what tomorrow is bringing, okay? That's how slaves think. But we're not slaves. We're children. And we're heirs. Heirs of everything. All of creation. That is who we are. So, we are children of the king. How do children of the king live? What's the application to this? They have hope. Children of the king have hope. One of our hallmarks. You need, we need to be like sticks of rock. When you cut us in the middle, that hope is running through everything we do. They have power. They have courage. They have a future. You know, when a person of royalty steps into the room, everything changes in that room. When you and I step into a room, everything changes because he is with us. Because all things are yours. So I want to encourage you as I finish. This week, when you are at work, whatever work looks like for you, you could be a house husband or a housewife. You can work from home. You can work in an office. You can work in a school, in a hospital. You can collect rubbish from the streets. It's not about what you do. And everything you do, whether you're at home or at work, Ask him, God, what does it look like for me to be your child and your heir today? What can I bring to this place? What is it that you're doing that you want me to partner with you to bring your kingdom, as Emily was saying, for your glory and your goodness to be seen where I am today? Because I'm there and I'm your child and your heir. So when I'm there, you are there. Who do you want me to heal? How do you want me to be at work or with my family or in my street? And if you need clues about what that looks like, read about the life of Jesus in the Gospels. The one story that we have of somebody who completely knew who they were, who completely knew what it was to be a child of God and to be an heir. And we are co-heirs with him. And he said that we're going to do greater things than he did. So I want to invite you. I'm going to finish now. And I want to invite you. If you want to change in your thinking. And that doesn't mean you've been living like a miserable slave. But if you want to remove all slavery from your thinking. And live like a child and like an heir. And just give God full permission to change your belief system. And change the way you're thinking. I want to invite you to stand. And I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to finish there. Mm. Father God, Father God, I thank you that we are no longer slaves to fear. I thank you that we're no longer slaves to the way the world thinks or to the law or to sin or death or addiction or sickness or anything. Father God, I thank you that you died to set us free. You sent your son to set us free. And Father God, we just confess that in in many ways we get tempted, like the Galatians did, like the, the sons in the story did. We get tempted to think like a slave again. And we, Holy Spirit, we ask you, we just put our hand on our hearts, and we ask you, Father God, to just change what we believe. We We make the choice to believe that you are God, that 
that you own everything and that we're your heirs and you've given everything to us. We choose to believe that. We ask that you would come and just break off the lies in our minds and in our belief systems. We want to change what we believe and what we think so that what we think about ourselves lines up with who you say we are. Because we are who you say we are. And you are who you say you are. Amen. Amen. Thank you.